0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. 3-1 pitch, swinging a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight, Eight strikeouts the- for the King tonight and make it 23 consecutive scoreless innings for and strike three called on the outside corner
1: it's time for the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast.
0: Kyle Seeger! That just happened! Thank you very much!
1: Now, here's your host, Gary Hill.
2: All right, welcome back to Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here. Every time I hear the open, I mean, it's become the podcast open for me, but I wonder if I should change it for the new year. I am I'm willing to take your your votes on that. Should I change the podcast open for the new year? Should it be something I change a little more often or do you like the the steady hand of the consistent podcast open? Just let me know. I don't know. I'm toying with the idea. If I do change it, I think <laughs> I will include this. If I don't include this, I'll make sure to play it a lot. I've spent a lot of this off season going through the archives and Making things digital that weren't and I have come across some gems that I'll unleash throughout the season, but this one can't wait. I am I love this. Here it
1: is. Take me to the I wanna see the, the are
2: Yes. I wish it was a full song, but that's all I have. But you'll be hearing that a lot. So I hope you enjoy it okay now down to business so we'll talk about the two games split squad yesterday a little bit Aaron Goldsmith is going to be by we'll talk about camp a little bit and then Rupert Jones at the very end so that's what we have on this podcast and uh yeah so yesterday Felix Hernandez took the hill for the first time this spring that was good to see
0: and now the 0-2 pitch and a swing and a miss and a breaking ball for strike three. So Felix Hernandez, his first out of the spring. He fans Tapia. And now two outs for the Rockies here in the top half of the first. Here's the pitch and a swing and a miss, strike three. The King striking out Enoa. He strikes out the side here in the top half of the second. And Felix Hernandez gets out of a jam and a nice round of applause for Felix as he walks off the field.
2: So he makes his spring debut, throws 50 pitches, goes two and a third innings in his debut. Taiwan Walker threw in the other ball game for the Mariners. He threw 66 pitches and seemed fairly pleased about his start.
0: Uh, how'd you feel out there? I feel good. Um, you know, really didn't get my load out there today. Cutting some balls off, but arm felt good.
2: Uh, are you at? Are you where you want to be at this point in the spring?
0: Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I mean, far enough. Would say a couple more starts, I'll be fully where I want to be. But right now, things getting getting better.
2: There's Taiwan Walker after his start yesterday. Boog Powell in center field made a nice catch too. Really nice catch.
0: Swinging a fly ball to left field, this sends Powell twisting back, chasing it, going after it out of the track. He reaches over his head and he's able to make the catch. Powell over his right shoulder, crashing into the wall, is somehow able to put on the squeeze and hold
2: on. So good stuff there. Powell making a nice catch. Lind hitting his first home run of the spring. Gutierrez hitting a home run as well, getting a couple of hits. Mariners lost both ball games. One to the Rockies six to four. And they lost to the Diamondbacks eight to three. So they're losing both uh, split squads yesterday. Mariners get back at it today. They take on the Angels in Tempe. Cody Martin scheduled to start for the Mariners. Andrew Heaney is going to get the call for the Angels. The lefty we talked about in the last podcast for the Angels. Speaking of camp, spring training, and the voice you just heard, we're going to welcome in Aaron Goldsmith in just a moment. A little warning. I don't know if warning is the right word, but information that will make a little more sense once you hear it. We actually talked last week. This was supposed to be on a podcast last week that was just never came out so you're hearing it now so that's why uh, we don't address uh, bullpen injuries especially with furbush we do address a couple bullpen injuries but the furbush injury we won't talk about and also sanchez when we talk about first base but we talk a lot about camp some of the position battles to the general feeling camp good stuff as always from aaron goldsmith we are going to talk more in depth about the bullpen situation coming up later this week as uh, things get pretty interesting now with Furbush having a setback, obviously a couple of other injuries in the pen, so we'll dive more into that as we move through this week. But right now, he's back, and let's welcome him back Well, the only way we know how. To the
0: sixth, all even at two, and for the play-by-play, here's Aaron. They're booing me, Rick. Not <laughs> You. If they knew you, they would <laughs> never do it you, buddy. <laughs> One-two pitch, swing, a miss. Oh, did he get tied up? That was dirty from Felix. Picks up the dirties, watches them, and brings them back fresh. And we got Aaron Goldsmith here, hair just glistening in the sunlight, so it's pretty distracting. I'm a happily married man with a child on the way, and I love Katie Perry. Um, that is that is me in a nutshell. And I talk about the Mariners on the radio every night. So, kind of let it eat. Oh, well, breaking news. The bees are still there. You look up above the mound, and it looks like you're staring up to the mothership. Like you could be beamed up at any moment. That white roof with all the circles and the scaffolding. Wait!
2: And we get to welcome back to the podcast popular Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith from Arizona. Aaron, it's great to have you back on Mariners Pod.
0: Ah, yes, at Mariners Pod, you man, I, I like that a lot. It's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? It
2: does. I like it. Mariners Pod. We really sound uh, cool on the podcast now. I think.
0: I totally agree. And uh, what, do you have any idea what the followership is up to at this point? Last night I saw, we were we were. We were... We are low triple digits on this one, G man. I, yeah. I'm expecting a thousand by the time we break camp.
2: Whoa! By the time camp? Okay. Well, we have we have support to do that. <laughs> That's only like three weeks away. I'm sure it can. Yeah. Happen, well, right? you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You may have to lend a hand in that, but yeah, that, I think <laughs> I think we have well, I think we have a shot. We'll
0: create we'll create we'll create some accounts to follow it. Don't worry.
2: That's a good idea. That's that's. that's a good idea (laughs) create account for every 1985 st louis cardinal oh look i'm being followed by her now excellent
0: (laughs) that's a great idea (laughs) i like it i like it a lot
2: daryl porter he's following me perfect (laughs) yay (laughs) so how's everything going
0: uh well you know g-man it's uh it's warm and it's sunny there's Mariners baseball being played. Uh, So I would say uh, everything is is pretty great uh, here in Peoria. It's obviously a lot of new faces, uh, both in the clubhouse and uh, in the offices around Peoria, uh, around the Peoria Sports Complex and the Mariners side of things. Uh, A lot of coaches, a lot of new coaches as well. But there's, I think, all the reports that people back home were hearing about kind of the vibe, the overall vibe in camp. I don't think they're really blown too much out of proportion. I think they're all positive. It's been this pretty light and uh, really pretty entertaining feel to camp, and I mean that in a good way. I think guys are really enjoying getting to know each other from as much as I can tell, and we're hearing some some pretty funny stories about uh, these kind of team meetings in the morning, which I think – I think they might be more for uh, entertainment and get to know each other than they are in terms of the chalk talk, although I, I do know, talking to some of the guys, there's certainly a lot of that that happens as well, but you're kind of, you're as you are every year with a, a 25-man roster, it's kind of an arranged marriage, but this year with, with more cast of characters in a recent years, because all the new faces. But I think the, the coaches overall, led by service, of course, I think they're doing a great job, from what I can pick up on, just uh, setting the tone, making sure that this is a, a camp where people are kind of getting to know each other, uh, both on the field and off the field. And uh, we're seeing a, a lot of ha- happy ball players, which is a good thing, and uh, you can only judge it so much while you're down here in this bubble that is spring training. But I don't think you could, be, you could ask for any more than what we've seen so far in terms of just the overall feel and tone of camp.
2: No, that's pretty interesting camp, too because you alluded to it, all the new faces and usually what that sort of thing means there's a lot of competition for a lot of jobs but really when you look at the Mariners roster on paper there's there's not a lot of that competition it looks like a lot of jobs are already locked up obviously we're looking at the fifth starter very closely the Paxton Carnes battle is is a good one to watch backup first baseman uh, utility role, some bullpen issues to sort out, but really, not that many openings, which makes it, I think, a unique camp as well.
0: Yeah, you're right. the The Paxton Carnes one probably is takes center stage in terms of the one that has the most interest, mainly because it has two of the more uh, recognizable players. When it comes to these positions, I mean, the bullpen, the front end of the bullpen, these are most of the guys we're talking about here are, are new faces and new names to most Mariner fans. And the bullpen guys are always so tough to evaluate in spring training. Mm-hmm. They're coming in for an inning, and who knows exactly who they're facing at that point. And a lot of pitchers have a will tell you that it's a hard environment here in Arizona to pitch in, especially if you're used to throwing out where the humidity is and the Grapefruit League. But uh, this is. Uh, <laughs> It's not an embarrassment of riches. Maybe it's not quite that far, but the Mariners rotation is in good shape just from the simple fact of its depth. I don't know, Gary, the last time you can remember that the Mariners went to camp uh, with really six bona fide starting pitchers for five spots. I mean, how many times have we been just days, weeks into camp, and you're already down to three starters, and for whatever reason, namely injury, and now you're scrambling. Uh, Chris Young comes to mind right away from a couple of seasons ago. Uh, but, you know, Paxon has options, uh, so that certainly makes him an attractive fit to start the season in, in AAA because of that. While on the other end of the spectrum, you go out and you acquire Nathan Carnes, a guy who doesn't have a deep track record by any means, so let's not forget that, but is coming up a successful season last year at Tampa Bay. So, I, I don't know about you, Gary, but I I still have not found a great answer from a manager or a general manager or a coach or a scout as to how exactly you go about evaluating any type of player, position, starting pitcher, relieving reliever, in spring training because it just – this is not a good test kitchen no. <laughs> for so many reasons. And when it comes to what, what's going to happen in early April – uh, on opening day in Arlington, and then moving forward into the regular season. So this is this is a job. I'm so grateful that I, all I have to do is sit up there in the booth and watch it play out. Because uh, how many times have we seen both guys go out there and pitch lights out, and you just kind of you, you, there's so much more that goes into it than just what we see from the from the stands or up in the booth. Uh, the level of knowledge that the coaches have in the dugout and the depth into which they're looking into things uh, is so far beyond what, what we see. Uh, that's for sure the, the the most talked about competition in camp is Carnes versus Paxton and seeing how these two guys are going to fare.
2: And you make a great point about depth because really at the end of the day, we'll talk about this competition now, but as we move through the season, Both of those guys will get their share of starts because that's the way rotations work. I mean, the the Mariners had that year, uh, 2003, where they had five guys start during the course of the season. But that, I mean, that's against all odds. You're going to need seven, eight starters during the course of the season. And when it's all said and done, I think they're both going to get their share of starts because that's, that's just the way that's the way things develop with uh, guys getting hurt guys struggling that's uh, the nature of rotations
0: yeah and you know the dynamic here between Carnes and Paxton it's an interesting one from the standpoint of Carnes I think we have a pretty good idea what he's gonna be and what he is you know right. even just seeing him from afar even though he has pitched only a handful of innings in a mariner's uniform in spring training but, I mean Carnes is going to be a real steady Eddie contributor in the middle to the back of your rotation, depending on who else is filling out the front end. Uh, Carnes is going to be a guy who's going to eat some good innings for you and is going to be there presumably every five days. Paxton, on the other hand, has the potential to be absolutely elite. I don't think there's anybody who has seen him pitch uh, who would doubt that for a second. I mean, this is a guy who, depending on who else is in that, rotation, if if you put it in a vacuum and you don't put him in there with Felix and with Kuma, I mean, if, if Paxton is healthy and is a guy who can give you 32 starts a year, this is a guy who, if he kind of lives up to what we've seen in spurts, this is a top of the rotation guy, let alone a, a lefty throwing 97. So it's just kind of funny how you would automatically think, well, Paxton's your guy. Well, Paxton obviously has to prove that he can put this together over the course of a full season. He has, yeah. to, he has to be able to prove the hardest thing, which is to prove health. Because uh, certainly none of the things, uh, the, the injuries that he has had are not preventable injuries. Uh, certainly, especially the fingernail. I don't think a manicure was the issue for, for James. Um, and both these guys, Nathan Carnes, who we've gotten to know a little bit, and, and James Paxton, are as likable and as nice. And as uh, kind of, of people as you could possibly ask for, so it, from that standpoint, you hate to see one guy win and one guy lose. But you're absolutely right, Kerry. We're going to see both these guys pitching for the Mariners. But there's a certain level of oh, of pride and ownership that you want to be the guy to break camp with the team. And uh, this is going to be this is the main story that you know, we're all really looking for uh, this this spring training. And you know, while we're talking about it, the bullpen is taking a hit. Yeah, a couple of injuries to guys who uh, uh, Ryan Cook, Evan Scribner. Both those guys with kind of some tricky injuries, uh, kind of the lat area, and that's a setback for both of those guys. So, um, the 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 theory from Jerry Depoto this this off season has been a pretty clear one: is form a mosh pit of relievers who are coming off of down years who can compete, and you hope that one or two of them hits. And
2: that's not a crazy theory. No, I think that's a <laughs> it's, it's a it's a well played theory. I think that's was uh, a smart way to go about it, and it's too bad. Because I think uh, both of those players, well, they still have a chance to uh, a chance to contribute, but it, it it does open the door for a couple of others as we move through spring training.
0: And you know, not to jump back and forth, but to get back to Paxton, one thing that does come to mind: had both of his starts so far, and his last one, he got roughed up a little bit. Uh, his velocity has not been what we're used to seeing. Right. We're used to mid to upper nineties from James and. It's been more like 90 to 92. Now, there's no – for people, people should know, there are no radar guns in the ballpark. We're relying simply on pitch effects on game day. Um, but I do think that the velocity, although the, the pitch tracker is not always accurate, especially in spring training, I, I do believe the velocity is, is pretty accurate. Um, and I was talking to Mike Blowers about this the other day. I mean, he Blow wants to see – and I can understand why, because I asked him this question. He wants to see James – blowing it in their mid-90s, 95, 96, Mm -hmm. a a couple of outings before the end of spring training. And so you can understand James not maybe letting it loose 100% early in camp. But, I mean, I think that velocity is going to be, in addition to just getting outs, I I, I think Scott Service and Mel Stonemaier Jr. and everybody else are going to want to see that velocity be what we're used to seeing it. Because... Obviously, when you're a lefty coming straight over the top at 96, that's that's a game changer. Yeah. So that's something for people to keep an eye out on.
2: No doubt, and it's it's funny. That's why I'm so fascinated by this battle because I actually think Carnes has a pretty high ceiling as well. He's kind of he's a late bloomer in terms of his growth into Major League Baseball, but I think he profiles as a guy who could give you 200 strikeouts in
0: this season. Well, yeah, I mean, you you look at the strikeout numbers last year. What was he, about a strikeout per inning? Yeah.
2: And if he gets 200 yeah, innings, so I, mean, I mean, I think he could be a 200-inning, 200, 200 strikeout. Now, I realize there's a lot of projection to that. I mean, it's not something that he's done in his major league career, but I think he has that kind of potential when you start looking at kind of the, the numbers underneath. I mean, there's a reason I love the trade at the time. I think he's got some real potential to, to be a contributor at a high level in the Mariners rotation.
0: No, I agree. It's a, and I think he's a guy that, uh, as we mentioned, the track record is not deep for Carnes. Right. He was, I mean, you talk about a, a late bloomer. This is a guy who thought his career was over before it even started. I mean, he missed the first couple of years of his minor league career with a, a, a really very serious shoulder injury, and then uh, had to really had to prove it, uh, prove that he was healthy with the Nationals who drafted him and fight for a spot after being really a pretty high draft pick. Uh, And so, and this is nothing's been handed to Nathan Carnes. And so, and I've had a chance to talk to him a little bit informally at his locker here in Peoria uh, once or twice. And I mean, he's, he is embracing the competition. Not that he wants to beat James Paxton, but he's embracing this as from a standpoint of, this is exactly what he's done his entire career. So this Mm -hmm. is not something that's, that's new to him whatsoever. And uh, ironically, his locker, I believe it was right next to James's, or Lee, totally maybe next. Taiwan's right between them. So yeah, so I mean, these guys are uh, they're getting to know each other pretty quickly.
2: So I want to talk about first base as well because Lee has made a <laughs> he's made an impact early on, not only with that home run that you were on the call for, which I really enjoyed because it, it sounded like it essentially as the ball cleared the fence and almost cleared the berm completely your call almost turned into a laugh because that thing was just mashed. But he's made a pretty big impact. He's opened some eyes early and also played, from uh, the looks of things, pretty good at first base. I mean, he's played pretty well out there from what we've seen.
0: I couldn't believe that home run did not land on the sidewalk (laughs) behind the berm. That's where I thought it was going. I mean, that was one of the most mammoth home runs uh, I have seen in a long time. Granted, it was about the fourth game of spring training. But in any event – you're right. It's funny because I've talked with Shannon a lot about this, and she has seen Lee get extra, extra work at first base mm-hmm. uh, on the backfields. And with what he did at the time of this recording today, uh, Tuesday, in Goodyear, I mean, he had two spectacular plays at first base. Uh, got a run around at home and uh, was able to dive off to, to the side and, and stab a ball that looked like was ticketed for right field. And he, Moved much better than I ever would have thought he would, yeah would have um, i I think the issue obviously for de Lee is going to be breaking balls off speed pitches. Uh, what can you do with that because he got tied up and surprised on those, and as Scott service said, hey man, if you're if you look at this guy, this enormous human being swinging a toothpick, walking inside the batter's box, um, you can throw him a fastball down the middle, <laughs> probably not, yeah, and so. Uh, it's uh, I'm I'm very intrigued by him mainly just because of he's Gary he is enormous yeah. I mean I I, ha- I had put eyes on him until he walked past me in the clubhouse a couple of days ago he is a behemoth of a man and uh, I'll be interested to see how it plays out and uh, you know how how serious of a spot he can buy for in this platoon with with Lynn in first base because uh, there's no doubt that that's a, a big question mark for the Mariners and. We've seen teams like the A's do this, where if you get a guy like Lind and a guy like Phil in the blank on the other side, you can suddenly have a guy or a duo that would profile as a $20, $25 million a year first baseman yep. that you're using. It. I mean, the, the one that comes to mind right away is um, is what the A's did uh, with Norris and Vogt as catchers uh, a couple of years ago before Norris was traded. The Padres. I mean, I mean, they had the the best power hitting catcher in baseball. It was just two different guys. So, who's that going to be? Is it going to be Romero? Is it going to be uh, Dejo Lee? We haven't seen Romero a ton of first base, especially since he took a ball off the knee, uh, which he looks like he's pretty well recovered from at this point. Uh, so there's a, there's a, there are a number of candidates for that, and that's going to be. Uh, Something they're going to have to sort out the rest of the way here in camp.
2: No, I think you make a great point because it's funny when you look at it. Because Lind, I mean, he has absolutely mashed righties in his career, and to a, a surprising degree. I mean, some of his lefty numbers have kind of dragged down his overall his overall numbers. But if you if you just isolate what he's done against righties in his career, it's really staggering. I mean, last year his OPS was better than. A lot of the elite players, McCutcheon, Posey, guys like that, if you isolate it just against righties. I mean, that's why when you talk about a platoon, if you put him with a Montero or a Lee or Sanchez or Romero, whoever wins the job, I mean, you're right. There's a chance to be a very productive spot when you put the two together.
0: Yeah, that's why you got to, for the other half of that marriage, has to be found while we're here in Arizona. And, yeah. I mean, hey, Mariners fans, remember, we went into camp last year, the Mariners did, and there were a couple of platoons, right, that the Mariners were kind of banking on, even though, for whatever reason, nobody wanted to call it a platoon. It was it was a platoon. Um, <laughs> and it didn't work out. Yeah, it was just, that's exactly what it was. It, did, it didn't work out. I mean, the, the idea of a platoon is a very attractive one if you have the right personnel. Yeah. Unfortunately you really need to have two guys. You can't just have one. And right now, the Mariners have one, and they're hoping they can find the second part of it. Uh, because w- when a platoon works, it's phenomenal. But its I think it's a, w- one of those things that you see it happen. When you do see it happen successfully, it stands out so much, and it makes it look like a much easier thing than it is to actually have happen. Because you need to have those guys. Not only do you have to have two people who complement each other, lefty and righty, but then you have to have two guys who are comfortable not playing every day and having the ability to perform at an everyday level when they play, say, three or four times a week.
2: Yeah, and this is when I think it gets really tricky when you're talking about roster construction because you're looking at trying to make a decision like this knowing that you're probably going to lose two of the guys or one of the other guys depending on who you pick. You know, Lee has an op out and Montero's out of options. So it's difficult when you're making a decision like this knowing that you could lose a guy or two at the same time.
0: Exactly. I mean, I think the option, the, the same thing that works in in the favor of sending Paxton down, having an option, you're working against it with Montero not having an option. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it's it's so hard. I, and this, is, this would be a good question for us to ask Jerry DePoto or Scott Services sometime. If you look at Montero and Stefan Romero, I mean, these are two guys – who have not proven that they can now, and, and that they can perform on a daily basis in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in Romero's case, um, he just hasn't been in the major leagues all that long. So I mean, it, it, it almost sounds like I'm knocking the guy. It's just he hasn't had the chance. And when he has been up, he hasn't always been able to perform. Right. And I mean, anybody will. I mean, Mike Blowers, will, I'm sure, will be the first to say that one of the toughest jobs in baseball is being a bench guy who's not playing every day. And, I mean, you're not relegated to a, a backup utility role where you might only play a couple times a week. But, nevertheless, I just think it's so tough to see a young guy in a situation like that, kind of like a Chris Taylor being the utility man, yeah. which he's certainly in the competition for that. I mean, it just it just strikes me as such a difficult position. You know, this is something Lind has done. This is this is how he makes a living. I mean, he's a veteran. He's been doing this for years and years and years. Um, what was it? I want to say, Gary, like two years ago, Lind had – Literally like six at bats against a lefty. Yeah, I mean that, that's how extreme it is. So uh, you're right. There are a lot of there are a lot of handcuffs on this, both in terms of the roster construction, and also the personnel and what you're hoping, what limited track record they might have. And I I, I don't know about you, I I mean I, I even though Montero has been in the big leagues a number of times over the last handful of years. I still think he's got a very limited track record in the major leagues. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. So, and th- that's going to be that's that's going to be the, the toughest one I think potentially to, to figure out because you don't have a you, right right now at least you don't have a clear cut home run option.
2: No, that's what makes it so tough. And uh, you know, only a couple weeks really to make the decision, which is going to be pretty interesting. Well, anything else before you you take off? Hopefully, we get at least a chance one more time during spring training to chat before uh, the team heads up north. But uh, anything that we missed?
0: Boy, I think uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other any other news from the from the complex. Uh, but I think no, um, oh, G-man. I think I think we hit on everything. Uh, you know, add Mariners Pod, give it a follow and yeah, we got uh, find a work to get on the
2: podcast. So yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the informal goal. But uh, fine work getting the podcast up and running for uh, spring training. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully, G Man, we're going to see you down here one of these days to soak in some rays and watch the Mariners baseball.
2: Sunshine, that sounds pretty nice.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs>
2: uh, well, thanks for the time. Uh, as always, it went longer than I told you it would, but I guess that always happens, but uh, thanks. And no, we'll that's, that's to more
0: to... my fault than yours. <laughs> you got it, bud. Good talking to you. Rupert Jones, center fielder, Kansas City, is the first choice by the Seattle Mariners in the expansion draft. I came in right on time. I got picked up in the expansion draft, and I got to a city that really wanted baseball and really loved baseball. And uh, the people there are fantastic. We have, we, we have a nice turnout. We got, we got a nice team. My team played with a lot of heart and desire. And... Uh, i
2: tell you, I'm having the most fun I've ever had in my life this year. See later!
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better.